Arabian horses, they go through this rigorous obedience training in the desert of the Middle East that includes a test that may seem really harsh to those who just don't understand desert life. The trainer requires absolute obedience from the horses and tests them to see if they are completely trained. In the final test, the trainers devise this plan where they deprive the horses of water for several days. And when the horse is thirsty, they finally release the horse. And naturally, the horse will go to, to water to go get a drink. And just before the horse bends down to take that sip of water, the trainer will then blow his whistle. And the horses who've been completely trained and have learned to be obedient will stop immediately before they even take that drink and return back to the trainer. Only when the trainer feels sure that the horses are fully obedient does he then allow the horse to go back for a much-needed drink. And it seems cruel to, to us that the trainer would do this, but you have to remember that a rider on the desert sands of Arabia depends on the horse to obey his every command. His life and the horse's life depend upon it. And when we talk about obedience, many of us would say, you know, I really don't like that word. We associate obedience as something that's unpleasant or making us do something that we really don't want to do. However, obedience is an important part of being a passionate follower of Christ and the secret to real lasting joy and God's blessing. In Psalm 119, it says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in His path. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees." See, obeying is not a, a natural human thing, right? We, we disobey. Even as young children, we disobey. And if obeying is not in our human nature, then it begs the question, why should we obey God? See, God gave us parents to help protect us and guide us. And, and they give us options to learn from their experience and their insight. They caution us not to go playing in the street because we may get hit by a car. They forced us to apologize to our siblings after we did something wrong to them because they knew the value of saying sorry and getting along with them. They answered all our why questions, and you know what I'm talking about. It starts at age two, and it probably hasn't stopped yet, right? They ask a question, you answer it, and they respond with why. And so you answer that question, and then they respond with why. And you keep answering until you finally break down and say, because I said so. See, obedience is important. Because God knows what's best. When God tells us to do something, it's because He wants to protect us. He wants to guide us into what's best for us. He has a vantage point that our parents never had. 
He knows when our dishwasher is going to break down. He knows when our furnace is going to go out. He knows what tomorrow has in store for me, right? When I believe that God wants the very best for my life, then I have to understand that he's never going to lead me or ask me to do something that would be to my detriment. He knows what's best for me. And when he gives us a command, it's to help us to have our best life. See, when I'm obedient, then I'm going to respond immediately to God. When God tells me to do something, you have to do it now, right? He's not saying, you know what, whenever you feel like it. When he asks us, respond immediately to God. You don't delay, you don't wait, you don't procrastinate, you don't drag your feet. Kind of sounds like I'm talking about teenagers right now, doesn't it? Right? And, and parents, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many times have you gotten upset when you asked your child to do something and then 30 minutes later you go to check to see if it's done and you find them still in the same spot as where they were and you know, they haven't done a thing. They thought that you meant to do it sometime in the next year, right? They're like, oh, you wanted me to do it now? Yes, immediately, right? There are times when we fail to act quickly because we want to know a little more information, but you don't have to totally understand everything to benefit from it. I don't understand how these giant, enormous airplanes fly, but I still fly. I get from one end of the country to the next a whole lot quicker than driving. I don't have to understand how I put gas into my car and it goes, but I still enjoy driving. I don't understand how the internet works, but I still love surfing the web and checking out my sports, right? You don't have to understand something to enjoy it or to benefit from it. And you don't have to understand God's commands in order to obey them and be blessed by them as well. So when your child comes and, and they do something and, and you, you say, I want you to do something. I want you to do this. And they say, why? And you end up saying, because I said so. What you're communicating is this, that you know, you're not old enough to understand right now. But one day you will. But in the meantime, I want you to just trust me. Trust me that I know what's best for you. Trust me that I'm doing this for your own good. So just do it. And there's going to be times when God tells you to do something, and you may ask, why, God? Why do you really want me to do that? And just like the conversations we have with our children, God may say, because I said so. And you have to remember, God knows more than us. And God wants what's best for us. A couple went on an African safari, and they learned an important lesson about following the instructions of the guide. Before the guide even took them out to, to go look for an elephant herd, he, he made them promise to obey his rules. He says, I have two specific rules. He said, rule number one is this. If I say run, you run. You don't stop. You don't pause. You don't take a picture you don't fall to the ground. You don't try to hide. You just run. And he said, rule number two is this. When you run, follow me. 
Put your feet in my footsteps. Follow me step by step. Don't make your own trail because in a panic, you'll either get lost or step into something you wish you hadn't. Right? And so sure enough, they came upon this elephant herd and not too long after, the herd began to stampede. And the guy screamed, run! Yet one man froze in his tracks from fear and panic and the guide screamed again, run! And in spite of his fear, he knew he had to move for if he hadn't obeyed his guide, he would have been trampled. He had to obey immediately. Before he understood the events that were taking place, he had to obey. And in the Bible, there are times where God says, run. Noah was told to get into the ark and God was going to flood the earth. And so Noah got into the ark with his family, and the Bible says God closed the door and the rains fell. Lot and his family were told to run and escape for their lives and to go to the next village. And as soon as they reached the next village, God rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed the cities. You see, when God says, run, When he gives us a command, we need to respond immediately. Psalm 119, 60 says, I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Those are important words, without delay. You know, when I call the kids down for dinner, I tell them, you know, dinner's ready. And I'm expecting them to come. I say, dinner's ready. Come on down. I mean, come now. Not at the next commercial break. Not when you finish the next level or or meet your next checkpoint in the video game. Come now. Dinner's ready. It's hot. It's prepared for you now. Don't delay, but hurry, right? This year, we've been having some issues with our ice maker. and, And so, every time it would refill, the water would just overflow. And so, I put a little Tupperware bowl underneath the ice maker to catch the overflowing water and Finally, I just got tired of it overflowing, and I constantly have to check on it and making sure it was catching the water. And so I decided to fix it. And so I started Googling how to and what it could be the problem. And, and so I, I came across, you know, maybe it has too much water and I need to decrease the amount of water. And so I started to fix it. And as I'm trying to decrease the amount of water, all of a sudden it starts to refill. And as it's refilling, I noticed it kept refilling longer than it normally did. And I I figured out my little Tupperware bowl wasn't going to hold all the water that was going to be coming. And so I screamed for Braden. I yelled, Braden, hurry, get up here. No response. Hurry, Braden. No response. Hurry, quickly, get up here now. Nothing. Eventually, he began to make his way on up here, and by the time he got upstairs to where I was at, water was already raining down, overflowing my Tupperware tub onto all our frozen items. If he would have just responded immediately and came up when I asked him to, it would have saved us about 30 minutes of cleaning everything up. But sometimes we play that game with God. The issue is not whether we hear him, but whether we are willing to obey him immediately. 
And if you want the blessings of God in your life, then you need to make sure you respond immediately when he calls out to you or when you read a text in the Bible and you figure out this is God speaking to you and wanting you to do this, respond immediately. See, when I'm obedient, I will trust God completely with my life. Even when I don't fully understand everything that is taking place, I still choose to trust God. See, my obedience to God, it demonstrates my trust in Him. You can't pick and choose which commands you want to obey and which ones you're not going to obey. It's an all or nothing. There was a, a show where different dogs competed in events to demonstrate their obedience. In one of the te- tests, they placed the dog in, around, and around him was all his favorite foods. And he had to navigate this way through without sampling any of these foods to his master. Now, I don't know about you, but if you put me in that test, I'm going to sample each piece of food. I'm going to be like, delicious, 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 and make my way, right? I would have failed. But that dog had single-minded obedience. See, God's standard on right and wrong, it never changes. It never will. Line was wrong in the Old Testament. It's still wrong today. Truth doesn't change. And you can't pick and choose which commandments you think applies to us in our culture today and which ones don't. The oldest temptation is is not lust, it's not gluttony, it's not even lying. The, The oldest temptation is the temptation to doubt God's word. In Genesis chapter 3, it says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. See, the lies the devil told Eve in the garden that day are still being used today. If we try to justify actions and make excuses that, that you know, it only applied to them back then, it, it doesn't apply today. Part of obeying God is completely trusting him completely obeying him and doing what he says. But it's also doing it in the way God wants you to do it. Imagine that one day Jeanette wants to move our couch from our living room down into our basement. And she says, Corey, why don't you call a friend and have him come over and help you pick it up and carry it downstairs. So, okay. And as she gets done telling me, I start thinking and then, I don't need to bring someone over. I don't need to waste their time. I can do it all by myself. And so I start pushing that couch along the the floor to the basement steps and start maneuvering it down those stairs as it slides down those steps and finally make it all the way downstairs to discover that, you know what? By doing it my way, I've just scratched the floor, scraped the walls, and tore all the fabric of the couch You know, when Jeanette comes home and sees what I've done, she's not going to congratulate me on a job well done. You know, I may have gotten it downstairs, but I failed miserably. 
She's going to ask me, why didn't I call someone? Why didn't I have someone come and and help me instead of destroying everything? She's going to say, why didn't you do what I said? I'm going to say, well, I thought I could do it myself, right? There's a, a story of Earl Weaver, who was a manager for the Baltimore Orioles, and he had a rule that no one could steal a base unless they were given the steal sign. Well, this upset Reggie Jackson, one of the star players for the team, and Reggie felt like he knew when he could steal and when he couldn't. He, he watched pitchers. He, he watched the catchers. He had a good understanding of what was taking place. So one game, he decided to steal without the steal sign, and he got a good jump. He took off, easily beating the throw down to second base, and as he stood up, shaking the, the dirt off his uniform, he, he had this great big smile on his face saying, I knew what I was doing. See, I could do it. Well, later on, the manager, Weaver, he took Jackson aside and began to explain to him why he hadn't given him the steal sign. He said, you know, the, the batter that was up right now, he's our best power hitter outside of you. And by you stealing second, you now open first base. And all they had to do then was just intentionally walk him. You took the bat out of his hands. And then he went on to explain how the next batter, he poured, he was, he, he didn't put, uh, hit well against the next pitcher. And so he said, you know, I had to bring in a pinch hitter now to help him. And, and now that weakened our bench. You see, while Jackson was only paying attention to the pitcher and catcher, Weaver was watching the whole game. And just like Jackson, we too can only see so much of what is taking place in our lives. But God sees the whole picture. God knows everything. And when God gives us a sign and tells us to do something, it's wise to obey completely and in the way we're told. See, true obedience is not only doing what someone wants, but it's doing it in the way that they want. It's trusting them that they know what's best. See, when I'm obedient to God, I get to enjoy the blessings of God. See, most people don't associate obedience with joy. And when you think of obedience, joy is a word that probably doesn't immediately come to your mind. But the Bible tells us, obey God joyfully. In Psalm 119, it says, I enjoy obeying your demands, and I will not forget your word. And then later on in that psalm, the writer, he writes again saying, I enjoy obeying your commands, which I love. See, over and over you'll find these writers of these psalms instructing us to obey God gladly. And then he goes on to say that he actually enjoys obeying God. And so how is it enjoyable to obey God? Well, when you obey God, you'll experience fewer problems. And I'm not saying that you won't have any problems because you will have problems in this life. But when you place your trust in God, when you begin to live a godly life, when, when you start reading the Bible and begin to understand what God wants for you, you begin to learn what to do and what to avoid, you'll begin to see that you'll have fewer problems. How many of you know that if you just, um, 
just stayed away and avoided some of those things that you shouldn't do, that you'd have less problems in your life, right? If we just avoid saying some things, we'd have less problems in our life. God has given us the Bible to help us live a life, to avoid some of these messy situations that we find ourselves in, if we would just follow His instructions. This past week, I was trying to fix a a shower head in our bathroom, and after changing the shower head, I realized that the problem wasn't coming from the shower head. It was it was originating from the handle. And so I began to take the handle off and begin to look at all the pieces. And, and then I put it back together and retightening everything. And when I put it back together, I discovered that I had the handle all mixed up. Instead of when the water being off, the handle was pointing down, now it was pointing up. And so I had to turn the water back off and, and take it apart again and readjust it. And, and so then I, I put it back together again, thinking I fixed it only to realize that I messed it up again. And so I sat there and couldn't figure out what to do. And I discovered the problem was that I didn't have any directions on how to put it back together. And it wasn't until I went to our other bathroom and took that one apart did I realize how to put it back together. See, once I had that blueprint, once I knew the directions to put it back together, it was a simple fix. Life was good again. Everything worked perfectly. You see, if I would have taken a picture of what it looked like before I took it all apart and used that as directions, the whole process would have been easy. It would have been simple. I wouldn't have had a little more frustration in my life. If we follow God and we're obedient to Him, we'll find that we'll have fewer problems and that will make life more enjoyable. Psalm 119 goes on to say, The wicked do their best to throw me off track, but I don't swerve an inch from your course. I inherited your book on living. It's mine forever. What a gift! And how happy it makes me. I concentrate on doing exactly what you say. I always have and always will. Though issues may come that try to throw us off track, when you continue to obey God and follow Him, you'll stay the course and you'll find joy in your life. See, when you obey God, you'll see God's blessings in your life. If God laid out your entire life before and you got to see your life, you would see that disobedience really takes us off track and ultimately costs us more than we can imagine. But the good news is, if we choose to obey, if we choose to live for God and obey Him, He's going to bless us with more than we can imagine. James 1.12 says, God will bless you if you don't give up when your faith is being tested. He will reward you with a glorious life just as he rewards everyone who loves him. You see, when you love God, you're just going to naturally want to obey him. You know, think of a, a marriage relationship. The longer the two of you are together the more in love you become, the more you discover about the other individual, you, you get to know what their likes, their dislikes, you get to know what makes them happy, you get to know what upsets them. 
And you begin to discover the things that you do that upset them, right? And because you love them, you realize that you need to start working on yourself a little bit to stop doing those things. Because you love them, you, you don't want to upset them, you want to make them happy, and so you choose, you choose because out of love to, to change those things. In 1 John 5, 3, it says, we show our love for God by obeying His commandments, and they're not hard to follow. We love God. And so because of our love for God, we want to obey Him and follow Him. And as you continue to, to mature and grow in your faith and your relationship, you begin to realize just how good God is. You begin to realize all that God does for you. And you begin to love Him more and more. And as you love Him more and more, you begin to want to live for Him. And you begin to want to do things for Him and bring pleasure to Him. And you want to do what He desires for you. You do it because of love, because you love God. And because you want to obey His commandments. The philosophy of dog obedience is changed over the years. It used to be that you would teach a dog by, by saying, you better obey me because I am your master. And if you don't obey me, bad things are going to happen. And many dogs were trained that way. And, and you know what? They did well. They obeyed, but they obeyed out of fear. But now the philosophy shifted, and instead of punishing disobedience, they reward obedience. You don't strike the dog. You, you don't yell at the dog any more than affirm no. But whenever you catch him doing something good, you praise him and reward him. The now, now the dog's going to want to do those things to make you happy because you keep reinforcing those behaviors with positive reward. See, both philosophies produced results, but they produced very different dogs. One that is terrified to do wrong, the other eager to do right things. And this works for our children, too. We, we're quick to point out negative things in our kids' lives. We say things like, I told you to get up 10 minutes ago. What's the matter with you? Or how many times do I have to tell you to pick up your stuff? Or the best, best one yet is, what part of no don't you understand? You know, while we say these things, hoping to motivate our children to change, they rarely do. You know, these reactions, they don't encourage our children to change their behavior out of love, but really out of fear of discipline. And if you want your child to become their best selves, then we need to focus on the right things that they're doing and encourage them. And it's the same with how God treats us. God doesn't come and, and say, obey me or else, though there is um, punishments that happen when we disobey, but he comes alongside lovingly and gently and says, let me show you who I am. Let me show you my goodness. See how much I love you. I died on the cross for you. Experience my kindness and my grace. And when we discover who God really is, we want to obey because we find we love Him. 
And when we obey him, we get to enjoy all the blessings that he's planned for us. When God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, leave your country and your family and your relatives and go to the land that I'm going to show you. And it says that Abraham believed God and went and Abraham trusted God and his trust in God was demonstrated by what he did. He obeyed. Faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God trusts God, and he that trusts God obeys God. That's a great quote from Charles Spurgeon. See, life is not a 40-yard dash. It's a marathon. When you're a passionate follower of Christ, each day you wake up, you make a decision to live for him, to obey him, And you may not know what's in store for you that day or tomorrow, but you know that you're placing your hands in a God that loves you, that wants the best for you, that knows what's in store for you. Psalm 119 says, I've made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. No matter what. Can you say that? No matter what goes on in my life, I am committed to obey God. Will you pray with me this morning? God, the psalmist wrote that you have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. And I pray may everything we do, may everything we say reflect you. Reflect your commands. May we find ourselves completely committed to following you. For you desire the best for us. May you give us God joy as we follow you. God, may we continue to love you more and more as you continue to protect us. And God, may we be like the psalmist who find enjoyment obeying your commandments. You may be here this morning or maybe you're watching online right now and you haven't placed your trust in Jesus completely. And before you begin to experience all God's blessings for you, you first need to begin by simply being obedient to God and make the decision to invite Jesus into your life. And love him with all your heart, with everything that you have. To ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And so if that's you this morning, will you pray along with me right now? Jesus, I love you so much. And thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And though, God, I don't understand everything, I do know I need you. And so I'm going to be obedient to hearing your voice and respond right now and ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new person today. And God, help me to live each day for you and experience all the goodness that you have for me today, I pray. And God, I pray for each and every one of us here as well. God, may we find ourselves demonstrating your love to others. May we experience 
all that you have for us. And God, when we hear your voice, may we respond immediately, placing our complete trust in you. And so God, I pray as we trust you, may we experience all the blessings you have for us. And God, I pray, will you continually watch over us this week and bless us in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining with us today. And if you prayed that prayer with me today and you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, will you either email us at office at woodland.church or even just uh, write a comment that you prayed that prayer, and we want to be praying for you this week. And so please let us know. Once again, thank you so much for joining with us. And don't forget to give as you're exiting right now, or if you're watching right now, um, don't forget to give right now. Uh, you can give through our app online, through our website, or uh, write a check as well, and, and uh, just place it in the offering baskets. And please make sure you turn in those communication cards. We want to be praying for you. And so if you're watching right now, download our app, fill out that communication card so we can pray specifically for you this week as well. All right? Well, everyone, why don't you have a wonderful week this week? And God bless.